Ridge Runner Nation, welcome back to the Ridge Runners Live podcast. This episode features Tracy Fabo and Arlen Glick, the 2020 Canal Corridor 100 mile endurance run winners. You're not going to want to miss out on this episode. Sit back, enjoy, and hear all about their amazing experiences. Good afternoon, Ridge Runner Nation. We are back with episode 19 of Ridge Runners Live. Uh, here with you today is me again, Cam Wrench, uh, filling in as the guest host, but Wesley Harton making a surprise return from the road. Uh, got kind of lucky, had a rain out. He's now able to join us here today. Um, and we're absolutely stoked to have on the men's and women's winner of the Canal Corridor 100 mile race, Tracy Falbo and Arlen Glick on with us tonight. Um, Canal Corridor was a hundred miler that just took place in Northeastern Ohio. It's going to be a great show. I can't wait to hear about everything that went down on the course. It was so wild following it virtually from uh, Chicago as I was procrastinating and finishing up my master's thesis here. Um, but before we dive too deep into our conversation with these two, uh, we want to remind everyone, whether it's your first time watching or whether you've joined us a bunch before, uh, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and introduce yourself in the chat and ask some questions there if you have them for our two incredible guests here. So anyways, uh, Tracy, Arlen, how are y'all doing tonight? Good, thanks. I am fantastic. So glad to be here. That's good to hear. All right, so uh, we're going to start off tonight asking Tracy um, if you could just take us through a bit of a summary of what happened on race on race day any particular highs and lows, notable moments that stood out to you. Uh, we know that Justin Mock just interviewed you for I Run Far, and this is like your real return to running at the front of a race and coming back with a win after multiple knee surgeries. So I really want to hear about what it was like to get back after that. Well, um, I was excited to run. I had originally planned on running at the Dome on the 23rd, and it was canceled. So I jumped back, I jumped into this really on the 2nd of July. So uh, it was kind of a, a quick bounce into this race, but I was excited about it. Um, it uh, ended up actually being nicer weather than I thought it might be. We had some 90s here and the day was only supposed to get into the 80s. So I thought that was good. But, um, you know, at the start, um, they did the three people every minute. And so I was at, I think, a 504 start. And started out with um, the other girl who was first in the to start, which her name was Ashley, and uh, another guy. And you know, as soon as the race started, they took off. And you know, my goal was to go out no faster than nine thirties. Um, I have no idea what kind of shape I'm in. I have only been back to running since March first, and I knew what my PR time is for a hundred miler you know, of a similar course. And I knew that if I went out faster than nine thirties, I'd be in trouble. Cause I just, my fitness isn't completely back. So, um, I just let them go. They were gone half a mile into the race. I couldn't see them anymore. So, uh, I just did my thing for a while and ran by myself. Um, probably in the teens, maybe the, uh, girl who ended up second, Melissa passed me and, um, I just kept going. Um, I mean, nothing major happened until I ended up uh, seeing a ton of guys coming back at me around mile 30. And I, I like to do math when I, when I run. So I figured out that like all these guys were on sub 13 hour pace and I thought, Oh man, 
that's going to be crazy. And I'll let Arlen speak about the guys race, but I knew there'd be major carnage because I knew that rain that was keeping the morning cool was going to burn off and we were going to have some hot, humid days, but, or a day coming, but, um, everything was going fairly well somewhere in the thirties. My knee started bothering me a lot. And, uh, I wasn't honestly sure, uh, when Emily and Hugh let me in, I told them I have no idea if my knee can handle hundred miles. So, uh, I don't know, somewhere right after the turnaround, I came back and tended to my knee. And I told my crew at that point, honestly, that I didn't know if, if my knee would tolerate the whole distance and that, you know, if, if it wasn't going to, I at least wanted to get a hundred done. So if I had to walk the last 50, I would, but I told him I'd definitely be slowing down. And I had already been doing, again, I like to do math. So I'd already figured out if I could walk 15 minute pace, you know, four miles an hour, that'd be, and I could run till 50, then I'd have another 12 hours and maybe I could still get it under 24. So, I mean, I was already, I was sort of in a low at that return from the turnaround. So I don't know, mile 37. So I, I had to walk run for a bit. We put um, some Voltaren and some Tiger Balm on my knee and it really didn't get any worse, but it wasn't really any better either. So, but I got my music at that time and my music always sort of makes me happy and feel better. So um, I kind of cruised till, um, till I got to the aid station around 55 or 60. I'm not sure where that was. And I saw the second girl now at the turnaround, they had been so far ahead of me. I hadn't even calculated how far because they were just so far ahead of me. And I knew it was early and it didn't really matter. But, um, when I saw the second girl, she, she bounced out of the aid station and, uh, I took care of myself and thought, I just need to keep doing what I'm doing. I just need to keep my heart rate in check and, and I'll, maybe I'll see her and right around probably 65. I, I could see her in the distance and caught up to her just before the aid station prior to the start finish. So, you know, that got me going again. Like my knee was still really bothering me. And my, I had my crew text my husband and my running partner to say, Hey, I'm slowing down because my knee hurts and I'll be smart. And if I have to drop, you know, or walk, I will, but, um, it's in check so far. So, um, I don't know. I got to, uh, in there and that sort of took my mind off my knee a little bit to be seeing somebody else and, and be moving up. So I'd pretty much been in third all day until, until 65. Um, I mean, and at that point, um, I just kept going. I had 75. I had a bit of a low, my electrolytes got off a little bit. Um, it's been so long since I've raced. I feel, I felt like a bit of a newbie, honestly, for the, for the race. I, um, wasn't sure you know, I felt like, gosh, I don't remember what to do really. I mean, I did, but, um, I haven't had nutrition for the, for that long. So, um, I ended up drinking some broth and trying to get stuff back in check. And, uh, just before 80, a guy told me the girl who was in first was just ahead. So, um, I, you know, go get her. And I got to the aid station, but I didn't see her. Um, I did around mile, I guess it's mile 80, the aid station before the turnaround. And, um, I got to the aid station and got all my, my pack switched and whatnot. And a volunteer told me that the girl who was in first was sitting at the aid station trying to gather herself. So, you know, I felt bad for her, but was stoked for me. And, and that gave me another little boost. So, you know, I ran down to the, uh, 
turn around and came back. And then, um, 10 miles to go was the, the last 10 was rough because my fitness just really was starting to show my lack of fitness, I should say. So the last 10 was a little bit of a walk, run, stop, walk, run, stop. And, and at some point now we were like two miles from the end and there were cars, I thought a decent distance away. Uh, and I wanted to cross the road, but my, um, I picked up a pacer and, uh, my crew was able to run with me the last 10 and, uh, she grabbed my wrist and wouldn't let me cross the street. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, come on. I can, I can make it. And she's like, no, you're moving way slower than the cars. And I said, they'll stop. And she's like, no, my, your husband would uh, kill you if you, if I let you get hit by a car. And I said, yeah, but I could stop running sooner. If I got hit by a car, it would be okay. And then I wouldn't have to go another two miles, but she wouldn't let me go. So I had a brief delay there, but then uh, we made it back and, you know, thankfully I was able to hold on to the lead. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, Ridge Runner Nation, if you have any questions for either of these two, make sure you drop those in the chat. Uh, we'll definitely get to those. One thing I want to uh, learn about is what was your training like going into this race? Obviously, obviously it's your first race back in a long time, but what were you able to do in training? And you have a couple confidence builder long runs to kind of make sure that you would have a good day. Cause you hopped in kind of last minute. I got received a bunch of text messages. This field was getting better and better as time went on. I got a message saying Tracy's in from a bunch of different people and, and whatnot. So uh, it was great to see you obviously hop in the race and it paid off, but what was your training like leading up to the race? Well, I, I literally wasn't allowed to have full impact until March one. And then I had to be really careful. The knee surgery I had uh, was an eight month rehab, like very serious rehab from the last knee surgery. And so they only let me run every other day for like the first couple months. So um, I did, jump in to a 50 miler, like two weeks after I was cleared to run with the caveat, my PT said that, uh, I could, you know, I'd walk, run. And if my knee hurt, then I would drop out. It was a, a bucket list race, Antelope Canyon 50 that I deferred for like two years. And, um, and I really wanted to do it. And so she's like, okay. And it held up for the 50, but we ran, like I said, ran, walked, and we were out there for almost 12 hours and taking pictures and just having a ball. We looked at it more like an adventure run walk, but I knew at least, you know, my, my knee would hold up to some degree. And then I built up to, um, I had a 28 miler, like a weekend where I did like a 14 and a 28. And then the following weekend I had a 14 and a 30, but it was super hot and humid. And it was a big jump. I had only had two 50 mile weeks of literally just running. I had supplemented with elliptigo, but then I went up to two, like what would be a 70 and a 72 mile week. And the 70 mile week went fine, but the 72 was just, it was too big a jump. I, I really tried to push it. And so I ended up walking some of that 30 miler and got in 26. And that was sort of a, that was the, really the first, I would say bad, bad run I had that left me some doubt. And so I really backed off the following week and then I was supposed to go up one more week for the dome and then the dome got canceled. So I had a couple, I had probably three extra, three weeks of taper, which probably benefited me because I was kind of pushing it in the first place. But, um, I got in, I don't know, at least five twenty milers. I realized that's not fantastic and only, you know, two, 
170 mile week and a 60 mile week and a couple of fifties. So, but it was what, you know, you can only do so much in so much time. So. Yeah, that is absolutely incredible to hear about how you just be able to ramp up uh, kind of cautiously and still have the day that you did. At what moment did you realize that maybe before the race, during the race, maybe when you passed uh, the second, the leader at the time that, Hey, I can actually win this race. Well, I don't know, you know, um, you know, optimistically coming in, you think, Oh, if you're smart and you, you know, I can run potentially what I can, what I, what you think you can run and what, what you can actually run are maybe two different things. And I just didn't know what shape I was in. So, you know, optimistically, I have an idea of what time I want to run. And, um, but you know, there's several people that look like, you know, they have good street creds coming in and you never know what people are going to do. Um, you know, my, one of my first races, I, I ran really well unexpectedly in one that you can have some new person come in and just, you know, kick total butt. So I don't really look so much at the field anymore and, and try to make predictions. I just try to run within myself, but, um, I just wanted at 37, my knee was really bugging me. And honestly, I seriously was calculating walking the last 50 miles. And so, um, you know, at the time my crew said, do you want to know where you're at? And I'm like, no, I just need to survive the day. So it was really exciting around the sixties to see number two. And then to find out at 80, I was in first. Then at that point I didn't want to let it go. So I thought, you know, I just need to keep going as much as I possibly can to keep the lead. So. Yeah. And so we got our first question from the chat, uh, for you, Tracy, this is Eric Anderson asking, seems like a flatter 100 would be harder on your knees with the repetitive motion. Did you take that into account at all when originally signing up for the six days in the dome race and then moving on to a towpath race? Uh, what was your thought process like? Um, I mean, I've always kind of loved and been better at the flatter stuff because I live in a flatter area and I really don't run trails very much. Um, and I signed up for the, the dome for the 24 hour cause I wanted mm -hmm. to try to make the U S 24 hour team again. And I realized that would have, I would have had to have an incredible day four months back to run a huge, you know, I figure in order to make the team this year, I'm pretty much going to have to run, I would have to run a PR. So it was reaching, but I thought at least I could try it and, and see where my fitness was. Um, but yeah, I agree. The hundred mile flat is, is probably in harder surface is going to be rougher on my knee. And it was my knee really took a toll as opposed to the two fifties, you know, I had done that had walking and running interspersed. So. Mm -hmm. And ah. is there something about um, the fact that a race like canal quarter is so runnable um, that the terrain really doesn't necessitate that you hike that even if you do stop and slow down to walk, that the motion stays pretty much the same. Um, as far as my knee goes, I think, um, you know, I think walking changes your, your, your gait, certainly where mm -hmm. your heel strike is. Um, and so that changes the force on your knee. So I think, I mean, it does help to walk run. Um, but certainly when it's so runnable like that, that's, that's been sort of my wheelhouse. You know, I've done, uh, several 24 hour teams and, um, my best time is at tunnel Hill. Um, on a similar course. And, um, I don't feel like I'm super fast, like the shorter distances I go, I'm not, I, I'm, I don't have that extra gear, but
but I feel like I can run a good clip for a really long time. That's just been my, my wheelhouse. So this kind of course has always fit into what I love to do. Um, because I, I can run for a long time, but I think, I think in terms of my knee now, which this is a whole new thing I'm going to have to judge from here on out is, uh, is the, the fact that there's no undulation in the surface is, is rougher on my knee. So that's disappointing because that's what I like to do. <laughs> so I think a lot of runners may be able to relate in a little bit where like in a, at some point in a race, you experience pain and you really have to walk that fine line of, is this actual long-term pain or is this something that just occurs in a race? And with your knee, obviously, uh, having going through what you did go through, uh, like, what was it like towing that line? And like, how, obviously you said you came close to dropping out, but how close was it? And I mean, was it only a couple more miles that you would have went through the pain or, uh, how did you balance that, uh, walking that line on the day? So, I mean, I kind of think about the pain scale, you know, if uh, zero to 10, like if anybody said, how much pain are you in? If you've ever had an injury. And I think at some point, if it had gotten to, to that level where I know it's going to be um, damaging. Um, I would have stopped, you know, in the past, I, before all this happened, I would say, Oh, unless I have bones sticking out or blood, you know, gushing and I'm going to die, I'm not stopping. But, um, you know, I had the surgery done and the surgeon said, you have a 60% chance to be able to run like you want to run like ultras, hundred, 24 hours. Um, but at the point I had the surgery, I like, I couldn't run without pain. I had daily pain walking around. And since the surgery, I've had like virtually no pain and been able to run. So, um, you know, I've done the races and it's pushed the pain level, but at some point it's a different judge now. Like my knee did blow up quite a bit from this race. And I'm really going to have to think about whether hundreds are in my best interest or not in the future, which really sucks. Cause I had really would like to try to make the Romanian team, but I, I know that I'm putting if I continue to do this, I'm probably looking at a total need, you know, much sooner in my life and, you know, daily pain versus keeping my own bones. It's, it's a whole nother mindset I never had to think through. So. Well, we're glad that you were able to obviously get through the race and hopefully you're able to rest up and uh, get back out there sooner than later. Uh, what was obviously the race this year was probably a little different than any race you've ever experienced just with all the social distancing, the staggered starts and all of that. What was the, your favorite moments out on the course? Uh, maybe some special things that happened with uh, at aid stations or uh, just with your pacer. What were some of the highlights, the best moments out on the course? Uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I had planned on pretty much just being self-sufficient with my crew so, um, I think, uh, you know, I, what I'm totally impressed by is, uh, Olivier's, um, significant other girlfriend, Sarah is a friend of mine. And, um, I wanted to do this race, but I knew we couldn't have drop bags and I wasn't sure that I could stomach necessarily eating off the aid stations. And so I was like, I'd love to come. But again, we signed up on the second and I asked my running partner and he couldn't, he had already, had already had to put in his work and my husband works. So they couldn't. So I was like, I don't know if I can come because I really need to find somebody I can get food from, you know, crew. And she found me someone who I didn't know ended up being my crew person. 
So she was willing to take time off, you know, half day off work or whatever, and drive from five and a half hours from Virginia. And she and her 16 year old daughter came out and crewed. So like, I love the ultra running community. Um, I mean, someone who's willing to like donate so much of their, their time for you, um, you know, and it, it is totally amazing to me and they were phenomenal. So, I mean, I really didn't have much interaction, maybe a couple aid stations toward the end, but otherwise they took total care of my needs based on what I had set up and they were, they were flawless. They did so great. And, um, the 16 year old daughter was able to run with me from 80 partway down to the turnaround and partway back. And then her mom was able to run with me, um, the last 10 because Sarah dropped Olivier off after the race and came out to help. So, um, because the 16 year old couldn't drive. So, I mean, you know, that I just am so thankful for the, the grace and support of, you know, people in the ultra running community. It's phenomenal. Yeah, that's, that's really great to hear. Um, I really am always like sort of pleasantly surprised when I hear these stories about like the community and the lengths that people are willing to go to sacrifice help essentially like near strangers, you know, have a great race. And I mean, it worked out really well for you. Um, you oh yeah. Take home and they're wonderful. They'll be friends for life. So, I mean, it's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's, I mean, frankly, that's how I met Wesley, you know, uh, we were at a race together and we worked together a little bit during that race, you know, and then afterwards we hung out and chatted a little bit and became friends. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, moving on now to, uh, to Arlen's race, we already heard a little bit about it from Tracy and that there was a lot of carnage up front in the men's field. It went out fast. There were a bunch of guys under 13 hour pace at one point, uh, Arlen, what was your day like out there? Um, I guess it was crazy to say the least. Um, yeah, I was totally, you know, uh, Emily reached out to me and, and, you know, asked me to, she said she was going to try to get a good field together. Um, I had no clue she could pull off a race like this. Um, and this was, you know, before Corona was, was an issue. Um, and yeah, it, I was blown away. Every time I checked ultra sign up, it seemed like two more, you know, guys that were just out of this world signed up. And so the, the more, it, the further it went, the more excited I got. Um, I'm a local guy. Uh, I, I love the canal corridor. It runs right through my hometown. Um, the same trail that I train on all the time. And I just couldn't believe that they, such a field came to my hometown. And with the coronavirus, um, I found there were probably five guys or so who uh, have 220, 225 marathon times, which is just, you know, crazy um, that signed up for this race. And I really believe it was because, you know, there's nothing else for them to do right now as far as racing goes. Um, which is really cool. I, you just never know what might come out of one of them guys. Um, so when I seen those were signed up and then I seen, you know, Olivier John Olson, I seen, you know, Travis Zipfel, Zach Merritt. I mean, just to mention a few, um, I was just, yeah, totally stoked about it. It, it was, it was amazing. Um, so I was very excited about the race. Um, I did not how, know how it was going to unfold. Um, 
when when Wesley predicted me to win, I kind of chuckled and I said to myself, Wesley's just making up for missing me on Mohican last year. I, I really didn't believe that he believed in me, but I know I, I did hear of a bunch of other guys that put money on me uh, saying that I was going to win. And I'm like, you guys don't know what you're saying. Um, I felt like I had a chance at it, a very slim chance. And I'll tell you exactly why. Um, my fitness has been top notch. Um, I've been training a hundred plus miles a week, which I've never been able to hold that handle that much. Um, and so coming into the race, I felt very, very good about it. I wasn't that nervous about it because I figured, I figured all the, the youngster first timers, uh, we're going to take off and we're not even going to, you know, run with me. And that was going to give me my chance to just run my own race. And I felt like most of the guys who had, had run a hundred miles, I really felt like I had a good solid chance of beating them. Um, it just was in, in my opinion, it was a matter of how are these first timers going to do? Because every now and then a first timer comes out and blows it away. Had I been racing any one of these guys, I would have said, yeah, I think I can beat him. But you put 10 guys like that up against yourself. And it's like, are they all going to have a bad day? Um, it like, it was, it was amazing to see what kind of a race we had. So anyway, yeah, staggered start. So <clears throat> I started off, <clears throat> excuse me. I started off first, uh, in the front wave, which I was not very excited about. I would have loved to, to be that, uh, three, four minute back runner, but I didn't complain. I decided, just said, you know, this, it's not going to come down to a couple minutes probably, but it did haunt me ever since I heard about the staggered start. It did haunt me. Um, <clears throat> so I started off and there were three of us. So it was me and, and, uh, Sam skills and Nick Schweiker. Nick Schweiker's a guy, uh, like a two twenty marathoner. He runs in our local group. I mean, I know the guy, um, so it was great to start out with them. Unfortunately, uh, Sam had to run for the woods. He grabbed a newspaper and ran for the woods at only about three miles. So <laughs> I couldn't hang with him, you know, very long. Um, and Schweikert took, you know, after about 20 miles, he got pretty restless and, and left me. So I was by myself a lot of the race, but at 35 miles, I was very anxious to see who was there and how far behind they were and how far ahead um, a, I'm trying to remember is Merkel. He caught me at about 30. Um, he had started, I believe three or four minutes back. Um, him and Eamon, Eamon, uh, they caught me, uh, met them for the first time, even though they're local runners, they're again, crazy fast guys. I definitely would have said, um, Israel, if, if I was to pick the winner, I would have said Israel's going to win. Um, that would have been my pick, but there again, he's, you know, slaughtered the hundred K, but never a hundred miles. So you just don't know what to expect out of a guy like that. Um, so he caught me. Um, and then, you know, we went to the turnaround and I seen they were stacked behind me. We had Olivier, we had Zach Marin, we had, I mean, they were Travis, they, they were stacked back there and they were not, they were not far at all. And I knew I was nailing my pace. I mean, I was, I was within a minute, almost every split I checked. So I just hung in there and it was drizzly. And I felt like the right thing to do is just to stick with plan A until I have to switch to plan B. Um, it was, it was incredible. So we're heading back North, um, around 
50 miles. I believe it was just before Canal Fulton. Um, I heard some footsteps behind me. I looked back and it was, it was Martin Earl, which would have been very likely <clears throat> a close battle with Israel Merkel. Guys are this, in my opinion, them guys are, are crazy. Uh, they were, you know, first and second at the hundred K world championship, national championship last year. And there again, never done a hundred miler, but you just don't know what can come out of that guy. And he looked really good. He looked strong. Um, at that point he was kind of laughing and having a good time. Um, and he had started pretty deep back. I forget if it was six or seven minutes, but it was pretty deep back. So I knew he had a pretty good lead on me. Um, so that was 50 miles. And I came through Canal Fulton and I thought to myself, wow, I have nailed my pace, which is a 745, which is, I know, kind of blazing. Um, but with the cool weather, I felt very confident that I was doing the right thing. And yeah, I, when I got to 50 miles and I'm in like sixth place, I thought to myself, this is insane that, that I could run a 745 and be in, you know, sixth place at the halfway point. But I did, I did have in the back of my head that all the hundred miler finishers, uh, alumni, they were all behind me and only the guys in the lead were those first timers. And I knew I knew the numbers. I knew they were going to fall apart, but I had this feeling that a, I mean, what's the chance that all of them would fall apart? It, it just seems pretty slim, but I just decided I'm running my own race. I'm going to ignore what's going on out there and hung on to it. And it was not long um, before I caught Eamon. Um, he, he had, a, he was a bloody mess, but anyway, I caught up with him and I tried to talk him into, you know, staying in. Um, ran another 10 miles or so and found Nick Schweikert. Um, and he was, he was standing beside the trail with Molly. And I, you know, there again, I tried to get him, tried to get him back in the race. I, I'm like, don't take a DNF at least, at least finish. Um, but then I got, I got all the way to the 69 mile, um, turnaround, you know, the, the finish start finish area. And I can't, as I'm coming into there, thinking that I'm in third-ish or fourth place. I wasn't really keeping track at that point. Um, still nailing my my pace. I had a pacer from 50 to, to uh, 69, which I had it from, from 50 to 100, all the way to 100, but we were switching. And and she, she really nailed the pace. It kept me moving fast. Um, so I came into it pretty quick. Um, I get there and as I'm walking or running up to the turnaround, I see Israel coming out and I knew he had a really good lead on me, but he's just coming out of the aid station. And I thought to myself, Hmm, that's crazy. So <clears throat> I, uh, but I, uh, there again, I, I still thought I, there was, you know, at least one or two more guys out there still, you know, blazing it. I picked up my new pacer and, and, uh, his name's Kendrick Mullet and he's, he's a great guy. He, he was there for, he paced me for my first hundred mile finish and it was great to have him there. He, he is one of the smartest guys that I've ever run with. Um, but he, he joined me and he, I could tell he was, he was giving me the impression that I was being a little bit arrogant. Um, and that is a good a good impression to give a guy that just is about to take the lead of a race. 
And as we were, as I was talking to him, I says, so where's uh, Martin Earl at? And he said, who's Martin Earl? And I said, well, he's the other guy that's, that's out front. And he goes, Israel's the only one out front and he's just right there. And I said, what, what happened to Martin Earl? He goes, I don't know. He said, I don't know. Apparently after talking to my brother, Martin was at an aid station and I must've missed him when I went through. So I went from being in sixth place to first place in a very short time. Um, so coming out of the aid station, um, knowing that, that Israel's right there, um, I decided I'm not going to get excited. We still have a, we only have a 50 K to go yet, you know, <laughs> which is, which is pretty crazy. But I knew if he was hurting that early on, he wasn't going to just, you know, fake it and run it and, and be able to run fast. So I did, I just tried to maintain my pace, only made it a mile or two out of there. And we, we already were in sight of him and closing the distance And my pacers. Like, are you sure you want to pass him now? And I said, well, I'm going to pass him whenever he's going slow. Like I, it doesn't matter when I pass him. I want to pass him when he's hurt. And that's, that's when I want to pass him. Um, so yeah. And he was looking at our pace and we were doing a lot of downhill and we were hitting some, you know, you know, mid sevens, low sevens, which I had been hitting all day. Um, so anyway, passed him. And then, and they told me he was, he spent a lot of time at that aid station, you know, at the, at the brewery there. And they said he had been there for a while and it looked like he was overheating. So I didn't think he'd come out of this very well, but I still had, I knew a very stacked field behind me. Like I was very intimidated by, by breaking the wind. I, it was a very intimidating step for me, but I knew I had to take it. Um, so then my strategy from there out was I want to hit 85 miles, the turnaround North. I want to hit that strong. I want to, blow the guys out of the water, Olivier, the guys behind me, I want them to see me and I want to be as far ahead at that point as possible. Even if I'm overdoing it, I want to be far ahead. That way they don't think there's any chance they're catching me. And if I have a rough spell, then they, it, they won't, they won't find another gear was my, was my plan. So I hit the, the aid station at 80 miles coming up to that started some sharp pain on the top of my foot in my ankle. Um, and it happened to me before. And it's, it's the, the Hoka carbon X that I, that I love. Um, and the tongue is a little bit, a little bit rounded. Uh, it bites in a little bit and <clears throat> it got the best of me. And so it was pain, but I'm like, it's just pain. It's not really going to slow me down. I mean, blisters, I won't even mention blisters, what we had with the, with the 50 miles of wet feet, the, the first 50, I mean, my toes were hurting so bad by just 30 miles, but anyhow, won't go into the, into just the pain part of it, but anyhow, so we got to the around 80 miles and I said, uh, is there a scissors around? I wonder if I could just cut the tongue off of the shoe and my, <laughs> there again, my pacer Kendrick, he looked at me and he's like, you say you want to cut the tongue off of your shoe. <laughs> and I'm thinking these are, you know, carbon Xers. They're going to be worn out till I get to the finish line. Um, so no biggie. I can do without a, without the tongue. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, even once the tongue's out, they're better shoes without the tongue. So he, uh, he called my crew and the, my poor crew, my, my two sisters crewed for me all day. And they are the 
the best crew. Um, I would often gain a minute or two on a, on a, the guys I was running with just at an aid station. And you do that times 20. Um, it makes a big difference. If you can have your stops very efficient, um, you definitely don't want to rush through the aid station, but it definitely helps to have a crew that's, that's on the ball, um, that makes things happen. And my two brothers then joined later in the day and it was great. So he called and they said, uh, I didn't get a response. Um, I told him if they can round up a scissors and I knew, I knew, uh, a few of my friends, Holly and Lorraine were going to be at that aid station. And I knew if I wanted any special favors, that was the aid station to ask for them. And so I knew I was coming into it. It was the perfect time to ask for a scissors. I mean, who asked for a scissors? Um, unless somebody wants to, you know, cut their head off or something at that point in the race. But anyhow, so we got there and sure enough, they had a scissors there. They, he, he's like, do you want to do it or do you want me to do it? And I'm like, uh, I don't care who does it. Just, just get the tongue off. So I drank, I was, you know, loading up for getting ready for that last out and back where I wanted to look really strong. Um, still feeling good. I'm dropping, you know, uh, sub eights. All my running miles were still sub eight minute, um, which is, you know, pretty solid. And so we, we got out of that aid station and I took a handheld bottle of 20 ounce, um, which if you know me, you, you know, I run very light, um, hardly carry anything with me. Thanks to my crew. Um, I rely on them pretty heavily. Uh, but I knew it was going to be five out aid station and five back. And that's the point where I needed to look really strong. And so I, I took off, I ran pretty quick all the way out to, to the 85 mile mark. We get there and, you know, I'm getting fatigued, my nutrition, you know, the sun popped out, the race changed completely when the sun popped out. Um, <clears throat> most of the dropouts were within, within two hours of when the sun popped out, we had most of the dropouts were, were already done. Um, so the sun had been on me for a while. I was starting to, you know, dehydration and all that good stuff. Uh, so <clears throat> I get there, get to the turnaround and we checked our watch. That was the main thing was check our watch. So we know how far second place is because that was the big, the big deal. I told my pacer, uh, which now had switched to Derek Miller. And if you want my opinion, Derek, I told him he, <laughs> he really, he really deserves the trophy. That guy, that guy said, he says just the right things at the right time. Um, I, I feel like if, if some of these pros could find knew about Derek, they would be, his phone would be ringing off the hook. They would be begging him to come and pace them. He could have a job. He could get paid to go pace people. Like he is just, he, the things he can come up with at just the wrong, you know, the wrong time, the right time um, is just amazing. But anyhow, so <clears throat> I was running with Derek at that point and he, you know, we get there and he checks the watch, you know, it's, I forget what it was, but we knew it. And we come out of there and I says, where's the aid station? And Derek says, I think it's water only Arlen. And I said, well, I've got a gel with me. Uh, let's find the water, you know, and we looked around and we said, it's not here. Let's go. <clears throat> and then I said, you know what? I think it's a half mile back from the turnaround is where the aid station's at. We get there and we look and there is just nothing. And if, and maybe we were just, you know, hallucinating, but we could not find anything. And I had just pretty much finished my bottle and we had five miles out of there. In fact, Tracy, I was going to ask you what you ran into when you went out to the 85 mile mark. Um, did you find anything out there? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when we got there, there was a, uh, it looked like there was a, 
parking area down below and there was like a path that came up and it was about a half mile before the turnaround, but they had like three jugs of water on the ground. There was a trash bag hanging from a, uh, the fence basically. And they did have a cooler of water with some iced bottles. But again, I was like five hours behind you. So okay. you know, maybe you're too fast to have it set up. And I've been in that situation where I've been somewhere before they set the aid station up and it sucks because you're like, you, you know, sometimes like you're on your home course, but I've been there. Like, I know there should be an aid station. Maybe I'm lost. You start second guessing. And so, you know, if you need yeah. aid, it's, there, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. And I ran into the same problem last year, canal corridor, but you know, they had crew access anywhere. And this was one section where they didn't have crew access. So I pay little attention to the aid stations and what they have available but this was definitely going to be a stretch for me. And so we continued back and I thought to myself, I was beloated going into this. I'm going to get through. And we seen Olivier uh, six minutes after the turnaround. And I thought to myself, six, 12 minutes. So he's 12 minutes behind minus three because he started three minutes behind me. Um, <clears throat> did the math and I said, you know, well, nine, that's about nine minutes. I got a nine minute lead. I don't think he's going to make a, a go for it. My pacer says, you know what? Olivier is not going to slow down, but he's not going to find another gear. And that was enough to give me confidence that I could, that I could take this race home. And so I headed back and ran. And yes, I started getting dizzy. I really started having a hard time. My legs started feeling like they weren't going to keep firing that way. The rest of the way um, continued back. And I was just, it was just a goal to get back to the next aid station. And I think that's a good way to break a race down. If you get to where you, you can't, you don't think you can finish. Don't think about the finish line. You've got to think about the next aid station, not the finish line because you go through, there's no way you're getting a hundred miles without some really low points. Um, you're just, you're going to have them. Um, so that was one of my low points was just get to that aid station and so when I got there, they were very helpful. They really helped me. I actually sat down a bit. They, you know, they really helped me out. And at that point, I think they told me that Olivier was even further behind. Like I was gained, still gaining on him. Um, but that nutritional strain definitely threw my stomach for a bit of a, a bit of a, a somersault. Um, so I continued on. But after that is when things really got real. And I, I've always said, like, I've, I haven't had near the experience that, you know, Tracy and uh, Olivia and many of these guys, many of these people have had. Um, but I've always been able, like, the last 10 miles of a race to just gut it out. Um, it's kind of a mental wall that I get over in the last 10 miles. This race was, was different. Um, that would have been 90 miles and that's where things actually just started getting tough. Um, so I get, I get, I get about two miles after that and I start getting lightheaded and I am just, it is like just scorching hot by that time. And there's very little shade and I'm starting to get dizzy and we come out of town, you know, we come into town there close to the second soul and I am just about, just about to pass out. And I just keep hoping that this finish, that this uh, aid station is just ahead. So finally we see it and I'm thinking, okay, at least I made it to the aid station. And now we're, you know, we're 94 miles. This race is over. Um, but the way I am feeling, it feels like I've got a hundred miles to go yet. I mean, the way, 
the way I was feeling. So I went there and I realized my stomach was feeling really yuck. And I knew, I knew I needed to find a port john And so, and sure enough, there was one there. And I thought, you know what? Sometimes you just feel kind of yuck and your pace is tipping off. And if you get rid of some nonsense, you can get back up and go again. And all of a sudden your pace is back where it was. And I thought that would be amazing if all, and I was really hoping to make it the whole hundred miles without having to make it, you know, an extended stop. But I'm like, you know what, what's a couple minutes if it saves me the race. So I hit the board of John, I get in there and I fell over in there. I mean, it was, it was bad. I, I, we're all ultra runners. I can talk about this kind of stuff, right? Right, Wesley? I'm, oh, yeah. You're all good. I'm good. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm just making sure because it, it gets a lot worse. If you, th- if, if you think this is it, it it's a lot worse. So, <laughs> uh-oh, now, now you're going to cut me off the air, are you? Oh, uh, no. Go so, for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so I come out of there and, and Porta John's are, you know, 145, 150 degrees when the sun's beating on them. I mean, they're, they're pretty warm in there. I come out of there and my, my crew is getting worried because they're, they're seeing the Ireland that they don't see very often. And I, I, you know, I realized I was dehydrated. I mean, it, uh, I don't know how to say it, but you know, when, when fluids come out and they're brown, it's not a good sign. I mean, you know, your kidneys are just about shot. And I told my pacer, I said, you know, I really wanted to win this race, but I'm not going to die over it. I mean, this is getting bad. And I was so close. I mean, I was, I was only six miles from the finish line, but I realized this could be, this could be the end of it. So I decided I'm going to make another go for it. I got loaded back up with, with water and everything I thought I needed. We, we took off and I, I kept telling myself, I can't look bad at the aid stations because the other crew members are around, they're watching and they know what's going on. And I cannot look bad when I see other people. And so I wanted to compose myself. I wanted to run out of the aid station, but I knew, I knew I wasn't prepared to. So I walked and then just before I got out of sight, I ran to get out of sight. As soon as I got out of sight, I realized I couldn't run anymore. And so I walked and I told my pacer, I said, yeah, Derek, this is, it is not looking good. I like, so I just walked. I decided I'm going to just walk. And if I have to walk the whole way to the finish line and lose the race, I mean, it's inevitable with the field stacked the way it was. I mean, if you, if you have a hiccup, you are toast and that's just what was happening. I was, I was getting, I was getting my, my cans waxed. I mean, this was coming to a close quick if I didn't find a solution. So I walked out of there and I said, you know, I got to keep my legs moving. And they, the further I walked, the more they cramped and they cramped worse and worse. So before I didn't get probably a quarter mile, I mean, just, just around the corner and wouldn't, you know. I realized I hadn't left everything in the port of John and it was, it was way worse than the first time. And I'm like, nah, not nah, again. I don't have time for two of these. I mean, I thought it was bad when I had to stop for one of these, but you're going to, you're going to make me stop again. And I told my pacer, I go, all of a sudden he hit me and I'm like, there's no warning. I, I said, how far back? And then I'm like, no, that's not an option. Not going back to the aid station. And I knew the other one was, you know, a couple miles ahead. So, I mean, what would you do, Wesley? You, uh, you're just about to, yeah, you're just <laughs> about to win the big, you know, the most competitive hundred miler that could be held this year. Um, so, 
I, I didn't make it very far. You didn't um, make it off the bike path, did you? Well, now, <laughs> let's, well, we'll get there. I on somebody's on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no. <laughs> it was it was on there okay it wasn't mine if it was on the okay, path okay. it was it wasn't for me um the trail okay okay so yes at least you know I'll, I'll put it this way i knew there was no way to get down you know the the asian style squat potties those do not work on 94 mile legs they they don't um i don't care who you are they they don't work um, so I needed something to help me down. Well, there was a fence right beside the trail. Um, and I thought that's the only, you know, that worked great. Um, the trails were loaded with people, but for some reason, um, I, I had it all to myself there for a couple minutes. So I got, I got down and, and I'm taking care of my business and, and <laughs> Derek, my pacer, he's, he's a champ. I mean, he's sitting there. And, and I'm just like, you know, no biggie. I mean, they, they're, he's scared to death that I'm not going to win this race. I mean, the guys are blown away that I made it into first place and he just anything to help this guy out kind of, kind of attitude, which is great. You, you got to have that. I mean, nothing matters when you're, when you're in the lead and you're, and you are having a bad, you know, and things fall apart, anything to get you back on your feet. Um, so <clears throat> get her, get her as we're taking care of it, Derek, he, I'm kind of like, boy, you sure. And I, and I told him, I said, boy, I'm sure glad Heidi wasn't here for this one. Um, cause, <laughs> cause I had her pacing me earlier on and I'm like, I'm thinking, yeah, it's a good thing she wasn't here for this, but anyhow, uh, so I get it, I get it taken care of and I'm just standing up. I get, I get a hold of the fence. I stand up and wouldn't, you know, I just, I didn't even, you know, take off yet. And here comes our first female runner. And, and I don't, I don't think it was, I don't want to say for sure, but I don't think it was you, Tracy. It didn't, no. I don't think it was you. I think it was, I kind of been Ashley. It, Ashley. That's yeah. who it looked like. And I didn't know her by face or name at the time, but that's who it looked like. And it was so funny. She come around there and I, I looked over at Derek and I says, boy, just in time. And he kind of laughs. And when, you know, Ashley comes by and I don't remember exactly what she said, but she said something to the fact of, you know, good job. You're dumping it all at the end. And mm -hmm. Derek, just after that, Derek, <laughs> Derek goes, boy, if only she knew what she just said, you know, and what you just did. So it was a hilarious moment. And, and just, you know, finding something funny when, you know, when things get really dark, that's, that's what I find really good. I, I always try to think of a good joke to tell the, uh, the, someone at an aid station or something when things are going south, uh, because it really does help you keep in a good mood. My spirit was way up there. I was physically, I was shot, but you know, mentally I was very much there. I was willing to do whatever was physically possible. Um, knowing, and I kept looking back and I says, Derek, where's Olivier? Where is Olivier? We've spent, I looked down at my watch and I seen 21 minutes and 30 seconds. And I says, that's a slow mile. I, I said, he is going to catch us. Like, I can't believe he hasn't caught us, but I know I have three minutes. I mean, if he catches me, he's three minutes ahead. And this is what haunted me. Um, started walking and my legs were shot after, I don't know about Trace. I don't know about you. I know you're great at, at like 48 out 24, 48 hour, but me, 
when my legs shut down, you know, when I sit down and stop for a while, like my legs shut down and it is really hard to wake them back up. But I could not run. I said, Derek, as bad as I want to, I just cannot. My legs will not fire. So we walked. I'm like, I got to make the best of it. I know I'm going to get toasted totally if, if, if I can't start running again, but I'm going to walk if I have to. So I walked for a while. And, and after a bit, Derek said, you know what, Arlen? He goes, if it's just your head telling you you can't walk or you can't run, um, just give it another shot. You know, give it, see what you got. And with that being said, I took a few more steps and I said, okay, let's go for it. And I started waddling. I mean, bouncing, you know, from side to side like a duck. And it, it took, you know, 10 times the effort and it was only 20% faster, but it was, Hey, it was getting them legs woke back up again. Before you know it, I looked down and I see 11 minute pace. And I said, Derek, that's half a 22 um, we're, we're moving right along. That won't win the race, but that's a, you know, on my way before, you know, it, I see an eight 30 and I'm like, Derek, an eight 30 could win the race. This literally could win the race. If Olivier and Derek kept reminding me every time I thought it was all over, Derek says, you know what? Olivier's hurting too. You don't know what he is going through right now. He might be within winning time, but he can be hurting really bad too. And I just kept, you know, that's what kept me going. His just, the way he said it was just perfect just to get every last ounce of energy out of me that I had to give. And so I, I continued waddling and pretty soon, you know, I'm, I'm hitting an eight thirty pace and I'm starting to get excited again. I'm like, I could win this race. Like even if Olivier is within the three minutes, what if I, you know, find another gear at the end? I know it's really hilly, but what I started getting excited all over again here at about 90, we were at about 98 miles or so. Now, remember the course was a bit long um, and it was certified, but we all on our watch, we all got like 101, like everybody got 101. I seen 102 somebody had, um, so I get to the aid station at 90, what was it? 97, but really maybe 98, somewhere in there. And I told Derek, I said, let's make this brief. Like, let's make this as, as quick as we can. I do not. I, if my legs lock up one more time, I am toast. I have to run to the finish line. So the only thing that was waking me back up at that point, and I had never drank it during a race before was Coke. Um, so I, I got there and poured a water bottle over my back and drank a Coke. And I said, eh, I kind of burping this up. Let's walk up the first hill and charge after that. They said, hey, no biggie. Olivier, he's 11 minutes. I said, wow, I can, I can walk up the hills. There's a bunch of uphill. I can walk up the steep hills. I can run the flats and win this race. Even if he does make a go for it, there's no way he's getting 11 minutes. And, and they told me two miles. I seen the sign said 7.3 something. So there was this big battle in my mind. How far do I have the finish line, which is not a fun battle to have when you don't know where your finish line's at. That is not fun. Um, but I decided, you know what? I, it's the same distance for Olivier is what I told myself. And so I just kept on going and we get, we get up quite a ways ahead, you know, up the first hill, down the next one. And Derek gets a text message. He pulls his phone out. And I was a bit worried when he pulled his phone out. He pulls it out and he goes, oh, 
Crew says Olivier is not as far as we thought. He's only four minutes behind you. So do do some math. You know, four mm-hmm. minus three. And you can be, I don't care how out of it hallucination you are, but you can do simple math like that. You know, four minus three equals, you know, one. One, right? Right, Wesley? Mm-hmm. It equals one. And and I thought you've got to be kidding me. This race is literally what haunted me from the moment I heard about the staggered start is going to haunt me right to the finish line. And literally, I am not going to know if I won this race when I get to the finish line. But I said, Derek, all out. We are going, I don't care what, you know, and I started, I decided not a one hill. I am not walking up a one hill. I don't care if my legs start on fire. And I ran harder than I ever have. Honestly, it was crazy how hard. And I couldn't believe it. I was dropping some quick miles too. Those last few miles were pretty quick. And we had a ton of vertical gain. Like that one mile, I think I seen 130 some feet of vertical. And I still dropped like an 806, which is pretty quick. Um, enough to catch them legs on fire. So I get going and Derek's like the finish line's almost here. It's just up ahead. Now he thought two miles and I, in the back of my head thought 3.7 could be the finish line. But anyhow, I wasn't going to let that stop me. I said, Olivier's got the same distance to tour for all I was worth. And we get to where the finish line's supposed to be. And there is, I mean, not a finish line in sight, not even the sound of music. There was nothing. And so we, I just tear, and I had went all out on that mile. Like I was planning for that to be the finish line and hoping that I was, you know, mixed up, but I continued and ran a double hard mile. I mean, I ran a, a, a finish line mile and then I ran another one. I get to where the finish line, where I see the people standing, ushering me, you know, up into the parking lot. And that's when they shouted out and they said, it's not where you turned around. It's where you started. And you know what that meant for those of us that were at the race and Tracy knows it's another couple hundred yards further than where I thought it was again after running a whole nother mile. And so I just tore, I mean, my legs were burning like they've never burned before, but I said every second counts. Olivier, I was sure at the pace he had gained, you know, at the speed he was gaining on me, I thought he'd catch me for sure. And so I was just every, every second was going to make the difference tore through the finish line, could not stand up. My sister grabbed me, went down. I I took a chair, stood there and just stared at the finish line. It was the most sober finish line experience I've ever had. Usually there's cheering and they were cheering when I was on the way to the finish line. But when I got there, it, you could have heard a pin drop. There was not, there was nothing because nobody knew if I won the race or not. And they knew how close Olivier was. So we just stood there and just like, as sober as can be. And we counted down the clock as it started getting close. Nobody was cheering. Nobody was cheering. And finally it hit three minutes and there was a big loud cheer. And I knew at that point that I had won the race. And then we waited we waited a long, a long while. Apparently Olivier had given up completely and he must have, I don't know if he walked the uphills. I'm not sure, but he ended up with eight minutes of chip time, um, behind me. 
So we had a great time. Then after the race, I got to talk to him and see what he went through. And it, it was a great time, but it was definitely the highlight of my running ever since I have begun to, to take, to take on a field like that. And then to finish, I've always wanted a close hundred mile finish. And this one was definitely more than I bargained for. Um, it was, it'll be a while till I need another one like this. Um, it, it was, it was great. I'm ready for a laid back race. One where, you know, we all start together and, you know, where nobody's with it, you know, where the, oh, the only people there, it's just, I can't believe how fast you are. They, the next guy's an hour behind you. That would sound really appealing to me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of the summary. And I, tried to make it as fast as I could. But when you have a race that is just packed with action, it's really hard to know what to take out of it. Um, so anyway, uh, where do we go from here? <laughs> <laughs> so we got, uh, we got some comments in the chat, uh, while you were talking, I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, cause it was, it was a really great story. I was really, engaged. um, but dab clay 24, he had two comments earlier. He says, uh, when I passed Arlen on the bike path around mile 40, he seemed just like he was having so much fun. And then later on uh, in your story there, uh, when you were talking about having to make those pit stops after the Porta John, uh, he came back and he commented, it's nice to know you're actually human. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. people act like I'm, you know, like I'm some superhuman and, you know, I am just as human as anybody. Yes. I, you know, I, I have a good time while I'm out there and yes, at 40 miles, honestly, 40 was a little rough. Um, the, and I think everybody struggles at 40 because you're not even to the 50 way, you know, you're not even to the halfway point. And honestly, it's, you know, 40 miles hurts. I don't care who you are. It, it's, it, it hurts a little bit anyhow. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great. I, my, I felt great. Um, all the way through about 80 really from one to 80 there was really not much difference um, yeah but yeah mm -hmm. and so um emily collins and brian poland both uh also post the comment and emily says that they missed you with the uh water drop there at uh the turnaround but they also said they missed olivier too and brian poland came in and said that they also missed him so apparently all three of y'all were a little bit too yeah. fast. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Marvin Yoder said, you know, congrats on an incredible race. Uh, do you see yourself running ultras that are longer than 100 miles? I figure since we have uh, Tracy here too, who's been a part of like the IAU 24-hour teams, you know, uh, maybe if she had any advice for you about stretching the 100 miler into a 24, uh, she could also give that to you now. Oh, that's that's funny that he asked that. Um, because yes, we were talking about this just before we went live. Um, and Tracy was trying to put a bug in my ear. I told Tracy, um, I was hoping to do North coast 24, which that got canceled. Um, so I don't really think, um, that will happen in the next, uh, sorry. Are okay. you still there? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, my phone uh, said low battery. If I turn my phone sideways, will it still? Uh, will I go sideways? Yeah, should, should be good. Does that yeah. work? Yeah. All right, That's it's perfect. a little easier to plug yeah. in that way. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So I I told Tracy, yes, that's definitely something I would love to do. 
Um, I, I told her, you know, really, I, I'm really no good at anything shorter than a hundred. I've tried a 50 a couple times and I'm not done trying at the 50 mile or the 50 K. Um, but I'm definitely not, not done. I'm not done with short stuff, but, um, the hundred milers where, you know, I'm off the charts. So I definitely would like to see what happens. Should I go for the 24 or, or beyond? Um, anything sh- soon here? I'm not quite sure just with North coast being shut down. Uh, but yeah. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Tracy? I think you should go to desert solstice. You can <laughs> just put on a mask and get on an airplane and the FAA, <laughs> they have great air filters. So you're breathing recirculated air, but it's like as filtered as can be. So t- totally safe. Just keep your mask on and go to desert solstice in December and qualify for the team and go to Romania. So hmm. even pacing, I'm telling you though, even pacing. So you got to slow down. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yes. Hey, that was not on my, uh, on my list, uh, on my regiment, my, uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll have well, to most think people's about races haven't gone the way they wanted to this year with COVID and everything. So, you know, part of being an ultra runner is adapting and being fluid. So you just need to, uh, change and go that direction. So Connie Gardner years ago, I met her at a 50 mile race and uh Tussie mountain back in like October sometime. And I had met her, you know, she's obviously from local gal for you guys. And, uh, she's mentioned to me the 24 hour, we were really close and went back and forth in that race. And, uh, she told me about the 24 hour team and I had no idea it even existed. So I looked to see what it would take to get on the team. And I found out you had to qualify by like December or so. And I was like in 50 mile shape. So I'm like, what the heck? So I found a race on New Year's Eve and qualified and ended up running in the Netherlands in 2013 and in May of the following year. And it was super cool. So, I mean, there's nothing like it. I totally think you should give it a whirl. So, yes, we will see. We will see about that. I had some other races in, in the back of my head, but we'll, we will see about that. So May of 2021, Romania, super cool. Well, we'll we'll, conv- we'll continue to convince Arlen to get out there. Yeah. Uh, this episode's this episode's going to go a little long, but that's okay. Before we dive into some more questions that we have for these two uh, that Cam has, uh, mm-hmm. I just want to say congratulations to both of you. It was absolutely awesome to follow along with your uh, adventures on the day. Uh, Tracy, I apologize for not picking you in my prediction video uh, when I yeah. Made that. So I heard you had <laughs> predictions. So where did I rate? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even know there were predictions. <laughs> So it's, I I really did not want to make this video, and like I said, I would do it a while back. But then, like when the when the race started, it uh, came closer. The field just got so much more tougher with everyone hopping in. So I had you at third, finishing okay. the race. Um, well, that's where I was most of the day. I wouldn't have bet on me either. <laughs> yeah. So uh, somebody else actually, uh, you might be able to guess who this is, Wesley. But uh, asked in the chat here. Um, in hindsight, who do you think you forgot in your top five predictions? Maybe somebody in like fifth place, uh, fifth place particularly. <laughs> so I forget if this person did finish fifth, but I know Brian Poland did sneak up into the top five. And I said that if he did finish in the top five, that fourth, I would uh, give him a case of beer uh, if he finished in the top five. That's how confident I was that he would be outside of it. But congratulations to Brian, and I'm really, I'm sure he used that as motivation uh, to get up there. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, like I said, congratulations to both of you guys. Uh, Arlen, you mentioned earlier about how you said like uh, your pacer could be pacing professional runners. But for those of you that may not know, uh, Arlen has been absolutely just crushing it recently. Uh, back in March, he ran a solo 100 miler uh, in 13 hours and 12 minutes, just kind of by himself on a limb, wasn't a race. And if that race was a race that day, um, it would have been the 26th fastest 100 miler on ultra signup in the history of ultra signup. So the fact that like, it's just crazy to say how, uh, how far, I guess you've come, especially in the hundred mile distance with your back-to-back wins at canal corridor 100, your Mohican win last year and obviously everything else. So congratulations to both you guys. Uh, we're going to kind of talk about what's next for you guys. We want to know, I guess uh, everything in the world right now is kind of up in the air, but, uh, Cam, what are some other questions for these two? Yeah. So, I mean, we can just start with that with some of our, like, uh, quick hit questions here at the end. Um, and it's just, do either of you guys have anything on the schedule yet for the rest of the year race-wise? Uh, Tracy, if you want to lead us off. I don't. I um, The year has been weird, and um, I, I'm going to have to kind of evaluate what I want to do with my knee. So I'm, I'm signed up for um, a 50K next April for fun um, mm-hmm. in Zion, and um, I'm signed up for an 80-miler in Scotland uh, that circumnavigates Loch Ness. And so I'm, those are the two I'm signed up for and I'm kind of have to debate what I want to do, but, um, I'm just going to chill for a little while and, um, take some downtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, wishing you the best of luck with recovery for sure, because we'd like to see you out at those races too. Um, definitely hoping you have as good of a performance as you did at uh, Canal Court or everything considered. Um, so yeah, you Arlen, Apparently desert solstice now. Uh, uh, you know, you took those job, words. Right. I, come on, you, you ruined it, Cam. I was going to say, well, my next race is definitely desert solstice 24. Uh, that, uh, that was going to be just as confident as ever. I was going to watch Tracy go, ah! but anyhow, uh, since you blew it. Uh, um, yes, we'll see about that one. Um, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, Canal Corridor. I've always wanted a competitive 100 miler and Mohican offered it pretty good last year but um yeah so looking forward i it after canal corridor um i'm looking for something something low-key um i've got my eye on one and i'm not going to disclose which one i've got my eye on um but there's one here in a, in a few months and it's going to be if i do it it's going to be a low-key hundred miler it's it's uh, anyhow it's going to be a low-key easy one um, of course there's nothing easy about a hundred miles any way, shape or form, but I'm looking for something, something laid back. Um, but yeah, then we'll see about, <laughs> about there, going out to <laughs> Arizona or wherever that is. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's another, uh, Phoenix, Phoenix, mm-hmm. Phoenix. I, I should I write that down? <laughs> we can no, there's you a, send you like buy the, an uh, airfare. I'll send you some info. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send you <laughs> there's another uh, 100 miler coming up in a couple of weeks that uh could be a little low-key for you burning river uh i saw there's a name that some people may know some people may not know him. harvey lewis just signed up today i think so uh oh could be it a, a, you uh, send me a link <laughs> <laughs> you know i've never i've never met him i've never raced him i would love to um but we'll see about burning river i i wasn't actually i actually wasn't planning on that one 
You did the 150 last year combo. So just do the 100 and 100 this year. Oh, yeah. Last year, I was glad. I was glad nobody was there to really beat me up because, boy, it would have been a good one to take me out. That was a that was a rough 50 miles. It felt like, yeah, it, it felt like the last 50 of 100. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was rough. All right. And so the next one of our uh, quick questions here at the end is, if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball, uh, what would yours be? And Tracy can start again. Um, honestly, probably Dolly Parton nine to five. So I, I love the song. It's got a, a good beat. I mean, I have it on my iPod playlist, but I think, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've never been in the, when I ran as in my youth and high school, I was never very, talented I've always had to work hard I wasn't like this you know gifted you know person in college I ran probably 22 minute 5ks you know and was on the JV team I just never really felt like I was like born and bred to run I just has been hard work and and being able to go long so nine to five would be my would be my walk-up song what about you Arlen Okay, this is where, and, and you guys are allowed to hate me for this, but I'm going to have a different opinion. I personally, I think ultras rock without a song. Mm -hmm. um, I really don't think they need a song. If they have a song, do you think anyone would remember it or it would even stick in their head at, at an ultra race? I mean, the, the race itself is so bizarre. I don't think a song would add or take anything away whether or not it was there and regardless of what it was. Um, that's just my, that's my take. Um, okay. but do you I ever listen to music when you run? Uh, if, uh, if I run on the treadmill, um, I usually do, uh, which is not that often, but here in Ohio occasionally. Mm -hmm. So what's like a, uh, a favorite treadmill song then for Arlen? Oh, good question. Um, so my, my, uh, my faith in God is actually like more important than any, than anything else to me. So mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm a very religious person. Um, it's mm -hmm. not about religion. It's about my relationship with God. Um, so I listen to gospel music, um, whether mm -hmm. it be, but yeah, there's, there's a bunch of favorites that I have. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy music a lot. Um, but as far as needing it to run, like the, the more I run, actually, the less I enjoy music while I'm running. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's just me. That's who I am. So mm -hmm. that's, that's a great answer. Um, and so the next question, I think Arlen, you already kind of answered this one, but, uh, what is your favorite pair of running shoes ever? And what pair did you run in at the, uh, canal corridor 100? You know, I hadn't decided until just hours before the race what pair I was going to use. I had a brand new pair of Next Percents and a pair of Hoka, uh, the Carbon X, um, of which I told you about. I had to do some surgery on the Carbon Xers. Um, <laughs> I decided for those, but those have worked really well for me. I enjoy, I, I love running in the Carbon Xers. Um, it, I just have to get rid of that tongue. Um, and, and next time I'll just do it before the race rather than while I'm, you know, at 80 miles. But 
yeah. I train in I train in Hoka's. Um, I train in Hoka's. Okay. And then uh, what about you, Tracy? Uh, I love the ultras. I run in the the torn. That's probably my favorite shoe. It's a it's a great shoe to go distance or it's light enough you can do speed in it. So I think it's really versatile shoe. Mm-hmm. All right. And then what is one state park, uh, state forest, natural area in Ohio or the Midwest that you think everybody should visit? Um, as far as I go, I, I think, um, shelter we trace and, uh, trail in Kentucky. I think it's the longest trail in Kentucky. I ran, um, Yamacraw 50 K a couple years ago there. And it's just beautiful with rock ledges and, you know, cliffs and waterfalls and it's beautiful. I'd like to get back there and, and check more of that out, but, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful. And I've, I've run burning river and canal corridor and they both have nice courses, but honestly, some of the, some of Kentucky is, is really, really spectacular for the Midwest. And, uh, what about you there, Arlen? Yes. I, I, I've, I haven't raced outside of Ohio very much. Um, I've been on, okay, so JFK last year. In fact, that's where I met Wesley. I knew about him, but that's where I met him. In fact, I was going to drop out of JFK at 35 miles last year. I had I was going to drop out. Wesley happened to be right where I was going to drop out, and he's the one that talked me back into getting in. And I have not yet dropped out of a race thanks to Wesley, um, and that is some serious motivation pushing forward. Um, every time, I every time I think back at that time, I had decided to. Um, but that that trail there was very the little bit there on the Appalachian Trail was very mm-hmm. memorable to me. Um, inside of Ohio, I love Mohican. Um, those trails there are just beyond my favorites as far as inside of Ohio. So there you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at Mohican, they have uh, both the marathon and the 50 miler. So, Tracy, this is maybe a race for you to think about in the future if you haven't done Mohican. Um, um, I love the Mohican. Let me drop too. a hint. Let me drop a little hint just because sure. you said that. Um, I know of someone who just signed up for the 50 miler. You may want to go for the marathon because she paced me Saturday. And she, I, I won't say, say her name because I don't want you to know who she is, but she paced me and she's got some talent and she's very new to ultras, but she, she is on her way to the podium. So I don't, you may want to go to the marathon. Um, that may be a little short, but you say you do good at long, but maybe go plenty short on this race just because of that. But that's just a side note. I I've lost plenty. <laughs> Tracy that's so funny that's so funny that you that you said that because that's so true and I've mm-hmm. I've been destroyed so many times myself but you know you have to get up and go again that's that's what an ultra marathoner is like you can't just have a streak like streaks are great but you can't expect that well um, and I don't I don't want to sign up for a race that I'm like I'm I'm the shoe in to win like that's I get it's, it's super, it's super fun to win, but I'd, I'd rather have some sparring and some fun and, you know, it makes it more exciting. And, and I think, you know, you run your best that day and it is what it is. And, and, you know, if you're smarter and your day goes just right and everything clicks, then awesome, you know, 
the days yes. we have that are awesome. But yes, if, if, if I was other, so. running to win, sorry, you were breaking up there. If I was running to win, um, I definitely would have not showed up at Canal Corridor. Um, and that just goes to show why you, you have to be humble enough to take whatever you got. Um, and, you know, yeah, I love competition, but it doesn't get me worked up. I love seeing guys that are talented and, you know, racing them, whether whether they, whether all I get to see is a little bit of their backside at the beginning that, you know, that's fine. Well, again, congratulations to both of you guys for winning the canal corridor 100 this year. Uh, this race may have been, and I honestly think it was the most competitive Ohio ultra marathon of all time with the field on both sides. I think it was just absolutely stacked and you guys came out on top. So congratulations again, uh, before we get out of here, uh, Ridge Runner Nation, they love to follow athletes and you guys, obviously, once they get to know you guys. So where can people follow you, whether it's on social media, a blog post, or where can people find you going forward? Uh, I have a website, tracyfalbo.com and uh, Tracy Falbo on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Uh, my name's, my first name is spelled with an I and my last name is fairly unique. If you put those two things in you, I'm about the only person that comes up. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, um, I am. Uh, like I said at the beginning, not a techie person. I am not on social media. I do have Strava. So if you are just dying to see a picture of me, I do have Strava. So, and my my name is spelled with an E, and it does not have an E on the end of it. Um, anyhow, we'll leave it with that. <laughs> Awesome. We will put those in the description for everyone to uh, make sure they have easy access to those as well. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, like I said, if it's your first time watching us, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, give us a rating on Apple I, uh, Apple Podcasts. And now we're on Spotify as well. So check us out there. Uh, we're hoping to have more amazing guests like these two on. It was just an absolute pleasure to talk to them tonight. It went really long and that's okay because it was just totally worth every single minute with these two. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Tracy and Arlen. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. We'll see you guys next time. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning into another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Rosanna Nation. Nation.